Hello, 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 aliens and allies. Your friendly Russian is here. This is We the Aliens podcast, and I'm your host, Sasha Kapustina. Thank you for tuning in. Today on the podcast, I don't have a guest. It is a different kind of an episode that I will do occasionally. It's an Ask Your Friendly Russian episode where I will talk about Russia and the neighborhood. Sometimes it will be political, sometimes not, depending on what's going on in the world and what you ask. So if there is anything about Russia you always wanted to know but were too afraid to ask, this is your chance. Send me a question and maybe I'll do a whole episode for you. This segment has grown from a series of videos that I've been posting on Instagram. So you can watch the video version of this on our brand new and shiny YouTube channel. Today, I do talk about politics, specifically the events in Belarus. The reason I thought you should hear about this is that these events are truly momentous and are not getting enough attention in the media. Obviously, the U.S. media are focusing on the election and something that's unfolding on the other side of the world is not so interesting. But these events can have a very direct impact on international politics and global balance of power. And also, what is playing out in the streets of Belarus is a nightmare scenario of what could happen in the U.S. after the election. And before you jump at me for saying this, obviously, I'm not comparing the two countries. They're completely different. And I do have faith in American democracy. But we do know that the biggest tragedies are consequences of failure of imagination. Nobody thought that Titanic could sink. Nobody thought that 9-11 could happen. Nobody thought that coronavirus pandemic could happen. Well, some people did. Um, but still, the people who were supposed to think about it didn't. Anyway, think of it as an intellectual exercise, sort of a failure of imagination vaccine. Things do happen. Things that have never happened before happen. And I'm not telling you these horror stories to scare you. Fear is not helpful. But democracy depends on people. So I'm telling you this so that you can stretch your mind and think what you can do not to allow this to happen here. We are talking about what happens when an incumbent dictator loses an election and refuses to step down. You may have seen on social media people have been putting the red and white flags in the corner of their pictures. That is in solidarity with the Belarusian opposition. Five things that you need to know about the story. So thing number one, what is Belarus? Belarus is a small country in Eastern Europe. It is east of Poland, west of Russia, kind of sandwiched in between there and has always been sort of a buffer between Russia and the West. It is an independent nation, even though it used to be part of different empires and it was part of Russian Empire and then it was part of Soviet Union. And then in the 90s, when the Soviet Union collapsed, it became independent. Even though it is independent politically, in reality, it is hugely dependent on Russia because 50% of its imports are coming from Russia. 
and these are um, cheap oil, gas, and supplies for the Belarusian industry and agriculture. And then 40% of the exports are going back to Russia. So this relationship is hugely important for Belarus. Now for Russia, Belarus has always been sort of this outpost and buffer between its uh, western border and the NATO. Now the thing number two to know about this whole thing is the president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, has been running the country for 26 years. And he is a dictator. So he's been running the country in uh, full-on dictator style. The opposition has been oppressed. The economy is largely state-run because of that ineffective and lacking innovation, lacking investment, and continuously dependent on Russia. Lukashenko has been becoming increasingly unpopular in the last 10 years, and the opposition has been growing. So thing number three to know about this thing is the hero that emerged in the last, the heroes who emerged in the last few months. And the heroes are women. About two weeks ago, well, actually exactly two weeks ago, there was an election in Belarus. And as this election was coming up, there were several men who were trying to create parties and movements to oppose Lukashenko. Actually, there were three. Two of them ended up being jailed. One had to leave the country to not be jailed. And so the wife of one of these guys, Sergei Tikhanovsky, his wife Svetlana Tikhanovska, applied to run for president. And she was allowed, unlike her husband, who was denied that opportunity, she was allowed to run. One can imagine that the authorities thought that she is not a viable candidate. On the outside, she wasn't. She is a teacher of English who gave up her career to be a stay-at-home mom. She was basically a housewife, the wife of this opposition uh, leader, entrepreneur, blogger. But once he was denied and once he was arrested, she stepped in and she said that the opposition needs a candidate and I will be that candidate. And even though she was completely unprepared and you can see when she comes on stage how uncomfortable and how vulnerable she is, how she has to really push herself to be there. And through that came her authenticity and truthfulness. And that is what resonated with people. And then, so, the, so remember there was three guys who were running. So then the wife of one of the other guys and the campaign chief of the third guy, they came in and made a coalition with her. And they came up with a joint campaign and a joint program. And they united the opposition in Belarus, these three women, and they came up with these three symbols that they would uh, project and that they would um, come on to stage with is the fight, the victory, and the love. They would come on stage and just light up the crowds. Obviously, the authorities had no clue that this kind of thing was possible. And so on the election day, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya won. Her authenticity, her truthfulness came through and people saw that she, she was real, she was truthful. 
And the program that the three women put together was very simple. To remove Lukashenko from power, to release all the political prisoners, and to have another election, which will be fair and open and will, ha will allow everyone, including Lukashenko, to participate. And for that, people came to the ballot polls to, and voted in unprecedented numbers. So, and then the next day, when the election results were announced, Lukashenko won, according to official results, 80% of the vote, which was a total slap on the face of Belarusians, which they were not willing to take. So they took to the streets and Svetlana Tikhanovskaya wrote up a complaint and went to the authorities to file official complaint. She ended up being locked up for a few hours. Then she disappeared from the public view. And then a few hours later, a video appeared of her reading off the page. And you can see in her body language and in, in the way she's reading it that she's being she's terrified and that she's being forced to read this message. And the words are coming out of her mouth and she's saying that she accepts the results and she encourages people of Belarus to accept the results and not to protest for the sake of the country and peace and blah, blah, blah. And of course, people of Belarus saw this video exactly for what it was. Even more people showed up in the streets. Now, in response to that, the authorities cracked down on them with incredible force and brutality. Within the first three days of protest, they arrested 7,000 people. And people who got out eventually have been describing just horrific torture and humiliation, not getting water, not getting food, floors covered with blood, just horrific violence which was completely uncalled for because the protests were absolutely peaceful. And it continued. The fascinating thing about this protest is that in response to violence, people continued being peaceful. Women came out to the streets and they dressed up in white and red and they brought flowers and it kept growing and it culminated with 200,000 people gathering in downtown Minsk. And so Lukashenko, of course, got scared and he called his buddy Putin to help. So the fourth thing I want you to know about this is the worrisome part. And I know this sounds like a story from far away. Some tiny country in Eastern Europe is in flames. Oh, we are very sorry. But reality of it is that besides the fact that it is an incredibly inspiring and at the same time tragic uh, situation and people of Belarus need support, but also whatever happens in Belarus may and very likely will have an impact on what happens in America. In a very similar way to how what happened in Crimea may have seemed to you very, very far, the annexation of Crimea, but then ended up reverberating all the way to impeachment of the president of the United States, who was impeached, if you remember, because he was withholding help to Ukraine 
which Ukraine is at war with Russia because of what happened in Crimea. Now, Belarus is a tiny country, but a geopolitically, it is in a crucial spot. Russia right now is kind of in this lose-lose situation. On one hand, Putin hates the idea of giving up this territory to a pro-Western opposition. And at the same time, he also realizes that cracking down on this opposition, helping Lukashenko out, will cost him a lot, maybe even too much politically. Because after what happened in Crimea, in Ukraine, um, he paid a hefty price. There were sanctions, Russian ruble dropped in price. It had huge impact on Russian society. He had to take drastic measures to keep the economy alive there. Realistically, rationally, he doesn't necessarily have the capital to step in, but he doesn't always act rationally. And to him, keeping the peace of Soviet Union, which Soviet Union falling apart, he called the greatest tragedy, keeping Belarus dependent and keeping it under the umbrella of Russia's influence is hugely important. And so it is very difficult to predict right now how exactly he will uh, go about keeping it under the umbrella. The other part of this equation is that there's actually an election coming up in Russia in two, three weeks. It's a series of local elections in a number of regions of Russia. And as we know, the protests, the opposition protests, they tend to spread. Uh, we saw how the Black Lives Matter protests, they went through the entire United States and then crossed over to Europe. And now whatever happened in Belarus has been so powerful and so inspiring for people in that corner of the world that Putin cannot be confident that whatever happens in the election and him trying to push down his candidates um, won't cause a similar uprising. And there's actually has been an uprising going on in far east of Russia already. For weeks, people have been protesting a, a governor that Putin has appointed there. So now he's terrified of this instability coming in full force. So something else that happened in the last few days in Russia, and you may have seen it in, in some news, and I believe it is in fact connected to um, both the situation in Belarus and the coming up election, is that the leader of Russian opposition, one of the leaders, but probably the most significant figure uh, right now, Alexei Navalny, has been poisoned. And he is right now in coma. And after a day and a half, Russian authorities finally authorized him being transported to Europe, where he has much higher chance of recovering because the doctor is not the member of Putin's party. I'm wishing Alexei Navalny and his family strength and uh, speedy recovery because Russia needs him and it is really, it is really impossible to imagine uh, Russian opposition right now without Alexei Navalny and we need him, we need him in full force and full health and I hope that he recovers soon. So that's the worrisome chunk of this. And I want to end on the fifth thing, 
the fifth thing being the inspiring part of this. And I want to, and I really want you to think about how people of Belarus who have been under a dictatorship for 26 years had a candidate who was not really equipped to run. And the only thing she had really going for her was her authenticity and the second, the ability to be a team player and create a coalition, which is the most important thing for a leader, really. But she's not a savvy politician. And everybody admits that, including herself. Belarusian people had every reason to doubt the election, but they did come out and voted and they won. And so the fifth thing that I want you to take out of this is vote. Get your mail-in ballot early, vote, and brace for impact because it's not going to be a normal election and it's not going to be a normal concession and normal transfer of power. It just isn't. That's it for today. I hope it was informative. I hope it made some things a little more clear. Thank you for listening through the end. I will post some links in case you are inspired to support the protest movement in Belarus. Also, you can support by just sharing this information, this podcast or the YouTube video and growing awareness around this protest because as I said the media is not paying attention and to be honest with you I'm kind of disappointed because it is really an amazing example of feminist victory and I think the media is missing out on a beautiful girl power story here so please share and repost Thank you for listening. Love you all. Peace. This is my country, my damn country, and it don't mean a thing.